The Reckoning, directed by Neil Marshall and starring Charlotte Kirk, is a 17th century drama about a woman named Grace, played by Kirk, whose husband dies during a plague. Her landlord swoops in and makes sexual advances, and when she rejects him, he accuses her of being a witch. And then things get worse. If you know anything about Kirk and Marshall's lives in the last two years, it's hard not to wonder if the witch hunt is a metaphor. Kirk was the center of a lot of media attention starting in 2019, and you should just feel free to Google it. Kirk, who was under a court order, stayed publicly silent through it all. Suffice it to say that Kirk and Marshall are both eager to be judged on their films and their films alone, starting with The Reckoning, which they wrote with Edward Everett Swindle. And with that, I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker. Here are Charlotte Kirk and Neil Marshall talking about The Reckoning out on VOD this Friday. So I want to welcome you both to Movie Maker. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, Pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, I've heard if there's an elephant in the room, introduce him. So I just want to start with this. Given the last couple of years that you both have had, it's hard not to notice you making a movie about a witch hunt. Is this film a response to everything that has happened? The Kevin Sujahara, the Ron Meyer, the counterclaims um i think as you mentioned before or a statement you put out um that because we co-wrote it i think subconsciously um i was we you know when writing this it was about persecution of an innocent person persecution of an innocent woman and witch hunts and powerful people take you know abusing their positions but I didn't nothing directly I think it was just the subconscious because we really just wanted to make and, and, and also we, we, we wrote it in 2018 mm-hmm. kind of before all the shit kicked off so um it was kind of a subconscious thing maybe from 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 your part and and you know unfortunately it's become a case of life imitating art in, in numerous ways really mm-hmm. but it's proved our point which was that witch hunts are as relevant now that cancel culture and the media and such like is the whole new witch hunt that used to be. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, that, that, and that was kind of part of the reason we wanted to make it in the first place was because we wanted to make something that was as rele- relevant, even though it's a period piece, we wanted to make it so that it would you know, hit, hit some nerves with today's audience because witch hunts are still around you know, misogyny is still around, persecution is still around. And uh, as unfortunately it turned out, plagues are also still around. Um, again, and we, we didn't know that we when making the, making that the film. <laughs> yeah, this first came out around the time of COVID-19. It started with festivals. I, yeah. I Did you change anything? I mean, did you add the plague masks or anything? No, nope. <laughs> it was, I mean, we made it in the summer of 2019. So, you know... Um, COVID was it was wasn't even a um, a, a glint in anybody's eye at that point. It was it was nobody had heard of it, mm-hmm. and we were making a plague movie, and it all came to fruition. It was, a, <laughs> it was the biggest publicity stunt of all time. <laughs> I, I want to talk about what you said about cancel culture and the media. What I think is so interesting about this movie is that people are kind of put in a position where they have to confess to something, or they'll continue to be tortured. And if they don't confess, they're guilty. 
Do you yeah. feel like that's the media environment now? Well, that, yeah. I mean, one one of the things that we talked about was you know, which which torture because doing our research, all the tortures in the film are real, but mm -hmm. we had to be selective about which tortures we put in the film because, like, most of the tortures that they put these you know uh, accused witches to were all lethal. Like they throw you in, you know, tie you up, throw you in a river. If you drowned, you were innocent. If you survived, you're guilty. Uh, so it was a no-win, no-win situation. I think that that's that's kind of some of the media in a nutshell. That is, <laughs> you can't win anything you say. Yeah. If you drown, if you, you're innocent. If you talk, if you don't talk, if you stay, if you so, stay yeah. silent, you're you're guilty. Anything you can't win, the media, because they'll always twist it. Who, um, I'm sorry. Who did the story originate with? Who had the first germ of the idea? Uh, it originally came, it came to, to us, us from my friend Ed, who is the third writer, Ed, Edva Swindle, who is the third writer on the on the movie. And he kind of came, he proposed an idea of like doing a, a, a witch hunt film, uh, a, a sort of up-to-date version of kind of witch hunt in general, something in that genre. Um, and the initial idea was to be a bit more Carrie-esque, sort of like, you know, she would turn out to be the witch and then she'd start, you know, melting everybody's eyeballs and doing weird stuff like that. Um, and that kind of felt too familiar to me and, and didn't really hit that nerve that I was looking for. Um, and then the more that once we, we kind of thought, okay, there's, there's a germ of an idea in here and we wanted to do research. So we dove into the research and the more realistic it became, the more interested we became. Uh, and then you basically said, like, what if there are no witches in this movie? And I was like, yes, that's yeah. that's we were touring with the idea, like, we don't want to do hocus pocus, people flying around on brooms, and but that we knew there was something in there. So I thought, well, let's just make it real. There's no witches. There's innocent, well, maybe not innocent, ambiguous. Like, let the audience decide, right? Yeah, some I mean, people think we, she's we left a witch. it a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. There are, you know, people can read it one way or the other, but um, it was that thing of like. Mm -hmm. you know, nearly 500,000 if not more because mm -hmm. it's the, the figure is depending on what you read I kind of picked an average of 500,000 women uh, or mostly women some men mostly women were tried tortured and executed for a crime which ultimately does not exist yeah. it's it's not a, it's not real <laughs> they're not flying around on broomsticks they're not talking to the devil through their cat mm -hmm. um, but if men did those same things back then and today they would probably get away with it yeah. majority of the things but men men you know fabricated these conceits in order just to basically keep women in their place mm -hmm. and because she was on her own and she was become a widow that made her that or more, more vulnerable. vulnerable and you could never guess what it you know it, the, the reasons that people were accused of witchcraft in those days were you know because they had a mole on their face because they had red hair because they made herbal tea or whatever you know it's like any any number of reasons or or the or no reason at all mm -hmm. just as in this case she's turned somebody the wrong guy down and the revenge is taken it's crazy isn't it when you think about it is what has changed when you when you say about persecution and, and witch hunts from 1665 till 2021 we saw something the other day someone said i don't want to wear a mask that that's the devil's work i thought oh, wow <laughs> it just sounds like someone in 1665 yeah it's crazy wearing masks and things yeah oh sean as a co-writer of this you know that you have to act out every terrible thing that happens to grace and it's so harrowing i mean it's it's difficult to watch and I thought you were really good in it. Um, is there anything you took out 
that was just too much or too, I, I just don't want to act this. No, when I was writing it, I didn't think of myself that I'm going to act it just purely as the audience and a film that I want to see and the kind of thing that I want to read and see. And then when I was acting it, I, okay, I had that subconscious because I, I you know, co-wrote it and stuff and I knew what was going to happen, but I wanted to look at it with a fresh pair of eyes. Like, okay, right, I'm going to go in there now and, and not think about it. But I had that ultimate connection because I helped, you know, create Grace. But no, like the moment I went on to set and the moment we, you know, started filming, I just had to dive into it. And it was tough because every day was just that 100% had to be at that emotional level every time. It wasn't just, okay, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a point where I can just kind of, you know, um, it was just every day of such such intensity, physically, mentally. It was yeah, and you were was, you were in virtually every scene except like one or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the great thing about it was that she couldn't complain because she only had herself to blame. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. I I loved it. Well, okay. So when we were writing, I was like, no, I I won't be able to ride a horse. I've never, I can't, I've never done that before, and I, I don't think I can. And I absolutely loved it. And then I started to sword fight, learned sword fight, absolutely love that. Um, at the very end, when she goes into the river, the lake, I'm like, oh God, it's, I don't want to do this. I don't absolutely loved it. When I got in, more takes, I'll do more. It's just things that it's just, yeah, stuff that I didn't think I would like, I absolutely loved. I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really find it, honestly. I didn't really find it physically um, dangerous or, or, or draining at all, to be honest. I really didn't. Mo emotionally, well, we, it was. We made sure to obviously keep Emotionally, it, it was. Yeah, but physically, it was loved un it uncomfortable, for sure. And you doing my fight stuff, my fights, water, fight scenes. Tied into it. that contraption every day for weeks. Like, yeah. That so was it was uncomfortable. Yeah. But, but my fight, I was like, oh, you know, stunt double is going to have to do this. I don't know how to fight. I don't know. You're like, no, I want the fight to be as natural, like normal, like two normal people fighting. And that's the way it was. It was a rough, yeah. rough and ready get, fight. Get stuck in there. Yeah, and I absolutely loved it. I was like, no, I can do that. I can do that. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. My wife and I work together on Movie Maker, and we've also done a podcast together, which is like a much, much lower stakes version of what you two do. Um, what are the advantages and disadvantages of working with somebody you're in a couple with? I haven't experienced any disadvantages yet. There is one. There is. It's hard. It's hard to switch off, right? When we yeah, lay, I suppose, so like, yeah, there's that. When, there's, we, when you're laying I mean, in, we never but then off. saying that if we wasn't together, I would probably be texting. Like, when you're laying in bed at night watching a movie, I'm and I say, oh, what about talk about work? You know, but if we wasn't together, I would probably be texting the person because I'm always constantly working anyway. But if you love what you do, is it really work? Yeah, right. But it's hard. Not that's the only disadvantage. Is it's hard to switch off. Like it's hard to say. Let's not think about it. Let's just, you know personal time right yeah but for the, for but the i mean you know it's overall, it proved to proved to be a very very fruitful experience uh you know we spent a, a year writing a two scripts back to back uh um an, another one and this mm -hmm. and as the writing process it i i never i never really co-written no. anything like this before uh worked out brilliantly and then on set, it was like, okay, well, you know, we're there, we're professionals, we're there to do a professional job. We both went about our daily jobs as we would normally do. Yeah. There was no, um, there's no difference to it, really. It was just like you were there to be a, you know, an amazing actor, and I was there to try and do 
whatever yeah. job like, I could do. When you call cut, it's like, oh, I'm Charlotte and you're Neil. But in the moment, that's it. I'm, I don't and think every, about that you're directing yeah, and every, it. Everybody else was very respectful of the, our yeah. roles, not the fact that we were a couple. It didn't, yeah. it, it didn't come into it at all. Yeah. I mean, I imagine as an actor, it must be it's so hard to establish rapport with a director and you kind of go in having that. So that must be helpful. That was nice. That helps. It's uh, trusting the director. Yeah. It gives you that shorthand, which yeah. um, you were seeking to create, which kind of you start creating at the beginning of a shoot. And if you're lucky, you get, you get there by just in time for the end of the shoot. You're like, we've got it. Uh, but we already had that kind of shorthand. So yeah. you know, that helps us. And it means I, I can kind of focus on, uh, creating that relationship with everybody else as well. But even though I knew you as a person, I didn't know what you were like as a director to work with. So oh, yeah, that was a bit of a mystery. So, so that was still, yeah. you know, you're still a director at the end of the day on set, and it was still... I suppose that's the thing, is that you don't, you don't get to rehearse or practice the, the actual job. It's just like you get there on set day one, and you figure out, I, she didn't know what I was going to be like as a director, and I didn't know what she was going to be like as an actor. Well, partly you did, to hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... No, I mean physically the working with yeah, you, not yeah, yeah. not not the ability to perform, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, in the spirit of don't trust anything you read, uh, Charlotte, I read that you were diagnosed with Asperger's as a child, and that's yeah. something talking to you. I mean, I'm not an expert, and I honestly don't know very much about Asperger's. Um, it's not something I would even pick up on. Can you talk about? Um, what extra challenges you may have had to overcome as an actor, if there were any? I have, yeah, I've struggled with this. And it's, it's, it's really hard for me to do interviews, by the way. It might look like it's easy, but it's so difficult for me. It's easy for me to perform. I know my lines. I can put in all the emotion into it. But right now, it's, it's very difficult. And I'm maybe very good at covering up. But acting helped me. I won't say overcome because you don't ever grow out of autism. It's a disability for life, but it helped me overcome. Um, you know, as a kid, it was difficult for me to look people in the eyes and, and I struggled a lot at school as dyslexic as well. Um, really, really difficult. But I was actually reading something the other day about it, that we are more, Oh, what's the word? Not, not in touch with our emotions, but we're more, cause maybe not, but we're more, sympathetic towards others and, and we can feel things more and I thought well that totally would help me with my acting and my work because that is what you need to you need to connect and feel and relate to what you're reading and you're performing but so you know I think acting has helped me so much with my and I, and I think that it's it's helped I think I'm I'm not gonna say I'm a good actress but I'm at a level I am because of who I am and part of me is my autism yeah. So, and I wouldn't change it because that just makes, that makes me who I am. Did I ask the question? I feel like I've gone off a bit. <laughs> I think, I think also you referred to it as a disability. And I think what the way that you actually see it is a, an alternative ability. Um, yeah. We, we, the ways my, my mom says, like we, like we think differently. It's a way of thinking. It's a whole new world way of thinking. So we just think differently to others and we see things differently and com combined with dyslexic as well it is difficult which which is actually that that alternative view of the world and different view of, of behavior and emotions and stuff is why i think it worked so well with the writing process because you would come 
into it with like completely left field and yeah. alternative ideas that I would never think of. Mm-hmm. And it helps really channel you know, the characters and the emotions and, 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 ch- and challenges as we were challenging each other all the time. Yeah. And of course it, it's a spectrum. So it's different, you know, I'm, I'm on the autism spectrum. I'm not, there's a lot of people that are more, you know, I'm well off in, in compared to others, you know, but, um, as a, as a, I think I had it a lot as a child. My mum was telling me things that I used to do as a child, and I couldn't believe it. Just have like, not like out, not being able to think before I speak. So you know, say things and and not and not know, not know the social of it, the social. What do you call it? Social. How uh, unfortunate some of the things you might say. <laughs> no, but yeah, oh, I didn't get. Uh, yeah, I wasn't uh, good yeah. in social situations, which I guess I've learned the hard way, right? Because mm. and and yeah, I guess I'm not so sociably awkward now but but i've but i'm so I, i'm nervous though especially with stuff like this because i i'm so nervous i am gonna say the wrong thing or step you, out of place because that's what i used to do a lot <laughs> off script off script exactly <laughs> well I'm, I'm very much not in the school of take the most you know out of context thing someone says and make that the headline <laughs> so don't don't worry yeah. about that yeah um yeah it's one thing that interests me about this film, and I should have Googled this, is this technically in the Dark Ages or does it just feel like the Dark Ages? Um, it feels a little bit like the Dark Ages because a lot of it takes place in a kind of Dark Ages looking castle, but technically it's not. It's in, I don't know what you call the, the period, but it's shortly after the Civil War in the UK. It's kind of Guy Fawkes kind of period. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, so yeah, it's not the Dark Ages. It has a name, like the... the um, Oh, it's the, not the Regency, no, it's the... I'll think about it. It yeah, begins with... I'll, I'll get into the intro. We see so many Victorian movies and we see so many, you know, Game of Thrones era, which of course you're very familiar with. Um, restoration, it's the restoration ah. period. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's not a period that gets a lot of coverage in movies. Yeah, yeah. the aesthetic of it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, and, and we really treated it like a Western because um, it was originally conceived to be kind of filmed in the UK in the winter when it was going to be bleak. And it was like, you know, like so many other British films are kind of bleak. Um, And I was like, okay, so let's just go down that bleak road because it's inevitable. It's going to be raining. Let's make it bleak. Um, And we ended up filming it in Budapest in the middle of summer where it is scorching hot. It is LA hot, if not hotter uh, all the time. I was like, well, how can I do bleak in the sunshine? So I flipped it on its head and thought, you know what? We've got horses, we've got people in big hats, we've got, you know, people with guns and, and we've got a, 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 a town with a kind of wicked sheriff kind of character. And it's like, great, this is a Western. Let's make it once upon a time in the West meets Witchfinder <laughs> General and, and mm-hmm. really embrace that, make it dusty and sunny rather than rainy and grim yeah it's definitely it's a completely different look than any other movie i've seen i i can't think of anything else i'm used to i guess i thought of like the witch um with obviously because it's another movie involving witches but just the hats that you described the the look of her home is so interesting the fact that when a gun appears i'm absolutely shocked to see a gun because it's out of place but of course it's in place yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, our production designer was very, very 
I, I mean, he's a history nut, so like he was very specific about you know the house was absolutely authentic to the period, and the weapons were and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, and the we, house was even leaking. I don't know if you saw that in the, the yeah, beginning. authentically leaking roof. Charlotte, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you growing up, I read again fact checking. Yeah, uh, that you really loved Gone with the Wind. Can you talk about the influence that movie had on you? Yeah, it wasn't the. I, I need to check the bio. It wasn't the film that. Oh my god, that's what I want to. I want to be an actress. Actress because I've seen this film. Um, but it was. It's one of my favorite films. Um, I just love. I think I was born in the wrong time. I think I should have been born back then in the, the Hollywood. You like the costumes. Holly, the, the, the Hollywood era. The yeah. old Hollywood. Everything about it, and yeah, everything about uh, Vivian Lee is just outstanding. She's phenomenal. One of my favorite actresses, and everything about it everything about it um just like real old hollywood you know when it was when it was filmed and everything at the story um it's an epic just 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 love the, the epic film but yeah um as you know probably know about neil he watched raiders and that was like oh, i want to be a director now with me that it was, was my epiphany yes yeah. with me it was performing on stage in 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 school elementary school and then um secondary school and then i was like yeah i i can't think of doing anything else i really want to go to drama school then i went to drama school and went from there so yeah so that was my thing of um but yeah since then i think you've got me into other kind of genre now well you never really used to be into horror films that much love them now love them So, Neil, was it the face melting that got you into horror, the face melting in Raiders that got you into horror, or what led you down that road? Raiders is a great combination of like has horror elements in it, but it, I mean, for me, it's the action and the you know the adventure side of Raiders that that did it for me. But at the same time, I was seeing films like American Werewolf in London and Alien and things like that for the first time, which um, totally got me into horror. So, yeah, but Raiders obviously has some horror elements in it, absolutely. But I never wanted to be just a horror director. I loved doing horrors, and but I always wanted to get some action and adventure in the same in the film as well, you know. So I think that's what the reckoning is. I don't think it's a horror, just a horror film. Yeah. It's a dr- it's drama and a thriller as much a, as a, it's a revenge it, tale. Yeah, it, yeah. Even on the page though, when I was going through it with my acting coach, she was like, "I see this as a drama." I'm like, "Well, not really," but uh, it's definitely a horror. But it is a drama as much as a horror. I mean, when when I was prepping for this for inspiration and stuff i was watching films like braveheart and the scarlet letter and um, gladiator you know they were inspirational go-to films for this yeah well uh, well i was watching all the the thing and and (laughs) (laughs) i just watched the fog and all my favorite horror movies um but it it is that it's but it's like the exorcist is is as much a drama as it is a horror movie it's a story of family and a a mother and daughter and stuff Mm. so you know one does not preclude the other yeah when you were writing this together how did you come up with your conception of the devil and what the devil would look like because your devil uh, very very different and very you didn't want it to be red yeah it was, ref- it was refused i'm not having another thing red thing with horns on no way <laughs> um not doing that but yeah I, and I, I kind of thought he should be kind of pale and slimy and gaunt and just this kind of disgusting thing um and it was a combination we had you know I, I i had an idea in mind um of this presence that was going to be around whether or not and you know 
different people read the script and said, okay, the devil's real. And others were like, no, it's totally in her head. And, um, and I like the fact that people will make their own choice about that. Mm. Um, in terms of how he physically looks, uh, I had one, had a, an artist called Paul Gerard did a, did a concept and then our makeup effects uh, supervisor, Connell Palmer, he took that idea, ran with it, made it his own. And then we applied that to Ian White, who's seven foot tall and plays the devil. And he gave it his voice and, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, it was a combination of, of elements. Uh, you know, you reminded me, and I wasn't even going to ask about this, but not dealing with another red person with horns. Um, when I worked at the wrap, and this was uh, my time at the wrap ended at the end of 2019, I edited a story about Hellboy and it's uh, you, I, I believe you didn't comment on it. I think you very gracefully took a pass on commenting, but it sounded like you didn't have the best experience with it. Do you, <laughs> do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I chose the, the path of not commenting at the time. And I think now it's like, I just accept the fact that like, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's really not one of my movies. Mm. I didn't have any kind of creative input in it. Um, and you know, it's, it was, it was awful, <laughs> awful experience. And, uh, you know, and, and it's not a movie that I would hold up and say had anything to do with me. So making the reckoning was by way of a creative purging of my soul after yes. that you know it was like it, that was uh, and that one i had like a lot of money but zero creative control and i started to go into the, the reckoning was to have 100 percent creative control but zero money and you know and then try and just work that way and it was kind of going back to my roots uh making an independent film and putting you know thinking my way through situations and creatively coming up with ideas as opposed to just like throwing money at the screen um doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, it, it doesn't work. Do you both feel like this movie can be kind of a restart or a clearing of the slate after the last couple of years of, you know, headlines you didn't want? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think for me... It's new beginnings, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And for me, uh, I think people are going to say, it's that double-edged sword that, oh, okay, yeah, Charlotte Kirk, oh, I know who she is. People might think that's a good thing, but it's actually even more of a challenging thing because then I've got a lot more to prove now. It's like, oh, yes, okay, let's see what she's got then, right? So it's a hell of a lot more challenging to um, to prove myself, I guess. But the work speaks for itself, right? It's like, as you say, it's just all about the film and see what you think. And I'm you're really proud of it. I mean, there's no, I, I don't think, all these things are subjective, but I think you're good in the film. I mean, it's not an easy acting job and it's not an easy thing to pull off, especially it's a period... 300 years ago that none of us know very much about. I know. Yeah. I know. And I think, you know, I think I was like, I was, I, I succumbed to temptation of doing a big budget film, which I was not involved uh, creatively in charge of. I didn't, I, you know, Hellboy is the only film that I've done that I didn't write. I didn't have a hand in the script at all. Mm. Um, all my other stuff I've written myself. And what came out of that was a desire to go back to, and if it meant doing stuff on smaller budgets, so be it because it just tended to be a much more enjoyable experience doing those films and uh, working from scripts that I've either written or co-written or whatever. That's, that's what I want to do. It's not, it just goes yeah. to show it's not really about the budget you've got, right? I mean, you can compare this to a big budget film, but a lot of people have seen this and said, wow, I mean, it looks like a big budget film, right? So that's what people and say. If, so if, I, if I'm going to spend a year or two years on something of my life, I want to believe in it and I want to yeah. enjoy doing it. It's, yeah. it's, it's too much trouble to be a pain in the ass. Life's too short. Yeah. 
<laughs> you said you made two films together back, or wrote two films together back to back. Um, three now, three. Right now, what yeah. are the other two? Uh, okay, well, the second one uh, that we wrote back to back with The Reckoning uh, is a project called Duchess, which is, um, it was originally conceived as a female Scarface. Nice. Uh, we wanted to do, I've never done a gangster movie, uh, and we just conceived this idea of like this female Scarface characters. It's Scarface like, it's like a, on steroids, because the whole yeah. thing was let's just be let's just not hold back so many of these films and studio films they play it safe it's boring all these remakes let's just do something that's actually fresh enjoyable and people are going to like right and people like gangster movies people love gangster movies movies. so it's it's like layer cake meets yeah scarface set in south africa it's a it's a it's a it's a British gangster movie. It deals with diamond smuggling as opposed to drugs, which is just, just something different. Fresh, yeah. Anyway, so there's that. And then we've just finished uh, writing a script called The Lair, which is a full-on horror. Um, if The Reckoning was a, a bit more drama, or a bit more subdued, a bit more of a pot boiler, The Lair certainly goes back to Dog Soldiers and Descent and doing something that's ultra-violent, ultra-gory. Uh, uh, it's kind of aliens meets dog soldiers. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's something we wrote last year during lockdown because I was like, okay, well, let's shoot, so let's try and write something that is contained and we can shoot during COVID, right? And yeah. everything takes longer than you think. We didn't shoot it last year, but we plan to shoot it in May, which is still COVID, right? So yeah. it's reduced, reduced, you know, um, sets and everything, few locations, few actors, and it's um, hopefully going to be very, very scary. Yeah, intense <laughs> and full of action and, and violence and all sorts. Yeah. So. You talked about smaller scale budgets and the bigger freedom that they entail. Can you talk about what approximate budgets you're going for and how you recommend people raise money for films now? Um, Obviously, you both have resumes, which helps. Um, But for people who are setting out to make their first film or just getting into it, what, what what recommendations do you have, especially at this point in filmmaking? Uh, Well, I mean, obviously, like everything's changed dramatically just in the past year as to how things will be presented how things you know we, we, we've yet to see how like theaters and, and such like are going to emerge from all this i i don't believe for a second that cinema is is dead or whatever i think you know we'll get back into it as soon as we can um it's too it's too amazing an experience just to films are still making money right now in history. the us is it with yeah. the cinema? So, so uh but in terms of like making them like we're 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 working in the world of trying to make everything for like under 5 million um, as much as possible. Um, I'd say anybody starting out, you want to try and make it for under a million if you can. Um, But the thing is, is that nowadays with the technology available, you can make something pretty damn good for under a million. You know, if, if you work to your limitations, Um, I'm really terrible at coming up with like small ideas with small scale ideas. Like I just, I just, I just, Every time I try it, it ends up just blah, 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 it blows <laughs> into something way bigger and more ambitious. Um, but some people, uh, you know, have proved, you know, again in the end, can do like several people in a room and make it absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, or, or or Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity or whatever. Like if you come up with that one idea it. that is just brilliant, it doesn't have to be about massive visual effects or whatever. Um, there's still ways to make it cinematic there's still ways to make it the quality that you want to get. I mean, you can edit everything at home now, you know, you can 
if you find enough money to do like a, a good sound mix and things like that, a few visual effects, uh, a good camera, then there's no reason for that much money you can't make something that would be of the same quality of everything else out there. Um, yeah. And just be just be creative, just be artistic and creative, and you know. I'd say it all, all comes down to the script as well. Everything comes down to the 100%. script. If you've got an incredible 100%. script, was it like Sylvester Stallone with Rocky? The studio was like, "I want to buy it," and you're, he's like, "No, I'm going to act in it." But it's like yeah. it all come. He was no, he was no one then. It all it all comes down to the script, right? Yeah. Got an incredible script. It'll get made. You can't polish a turd, as they say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so if you start out with a great script, you're in a far better place. Yeah. I think it was. Were you in Fantasia Festival? Yes. Yeah. This film, yeah, I remember when I first saw the first photo of this film, and it is the Plague Doctors, and Grace is riding by on a horse, and she sees those guys looking up from a body with those oh, yeah. spy versus spy masks, and I'm like, I'm in. I want to see this movie. What is this? What's the story? I was Googling those masks. I was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those masks, they don't cost a million dollars. I mean, they. you went and found something from history that people had sort of forgotten about yeah. yeah yeah no i mean we made what was it we made three masks yeah. or something the costumes were hired they wouldn't make those we hired those um, well, the sets were already built for the most part for i mean part. Uh, you know in in redressed and re, re, repurposed an awful lot of them but yeah. you know we, we 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 had to think outside the box to get this one made and make it look like it cost a lot more than it did mm. um and it, and it is it is little things you know shooting it in widescreen just you know, increases the production value instantly. Yeah. Um, Charlotte, I can't believe I forgot to ask this. You got to play Nicole Brown Simpson? Yes. What, yeah. did, you, what did you learn from that experience? I mean, I, I grew up obsessed with the OJ case. God, that was, that's, that was, um, I was living it for quite some time. Yeah. Um, that project um, kind of helped develop it. And it was, I mean, Grace, I would say Grace and Nicole is are my most two challenging roles yet, right? Because um, you know, Grace is obviously that, that I'm carrying the film and in almost every scene and it's a responsibility in itself. But then Nicole, a, a real life person, you know, the victim she she was. And the thing is, in, in, in Nicole and OJ, you see her as a human, right? You don't just see her as a victim. And as, as humans, we have flaws. So you do see her, you know, sometimes be sexy sometimes be aggressive so, so it's really difficult and I don't know how the audience is gonna how they're gonna perceive this movie because it is it's challenging yeah it's controversial you know the writer direct thinks OJ is innocent mm. uh, he believes that uh, through and through and it's um, and they had a very volatile relationship and she was German she was very she was tough she was a real tough girl yes she suffered a lot of abuse and so forth but she was a tough woman so you know it was it was a challenging role. It was an incredible role. Yeah, very, very challenging. And have, have you seen any of the pictures of Charlotte in the, in the role? Because I think there was Edison Weekly published a picture or something. Oh, I haven't. Um, you can see Edison Weekly, yeah. yeah. But we everything we shot... Kind of in like, yeah, everything we shot in Nicole and OJ's house, we re, like Rockingham and, and Bundy and all that, it's exactly... We shot it in Bulgaria, but it's exactly the same um the way it's 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 weird walking onto those sets because it was rocking them exactly the way it was um so 
yeah it was weird it was weird i had some weird dreams and all that it's like superstitious stuff when it was all happening weird oh. stuff yeah I, I don't know if this is weird but i have i don't know i have like a, a birthmark here and that's obviously where she got killed oh my god yeah, but I don't know. That's just like superstitious stuff. But I suppose you—I don't remember you saying at the time or, or afterwards, or if you mentioned that there was that added responsibility, I suppose, of it being a real person. Yeah, of course, of course, absolutely. And the way America sees her and the way he wrote her is something yeah. slightly different. He doesn't. Yeah, so that's going to be very interesting. And Boris Kojo played OJ, and he was—he was great. He really looks like him when he's all in all the makeup and that. So. Yeah, that would be interesting when that comes out. Are are you too committed to making your next few movies together? For the, for the, yeah, I mean, well, because we have a couple of plans for this year. We yeah. want to do, and yeah. then, well, I, I, I guess we'll see after that because obviously, with my my time frame on a movie is like it's going to take you know anything from six months to two years of my commitment in it, uh, whereas she can go from movie to movie to movie a lot easier than I can. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, you know, the hope is that I'll just keep on making my movies and you'll come back and we'll make movies together yeah, and then you'll yeah. go off and make, uh, you know, edit lots of other movies in the meantime. Yeah. Um, we started off talking about the media and I just wonder what your overall suggestions for the news media are. I mean, if you think you've been treated unfairly, uh, what do you think the news media should change? I mean, I think every citizen of the United States has ideas of how we think the news media should change. My wife and I were just complaining about CNN to each other this morning. Um, what uh, what would you like to see be done differently? Um, integrity, for the most part. Uh, yeah, I think, a I think bit a more responsibility, of, I suppose. It's, it's that I can just say, and not a lot of like copy and paste, because a lot of these things, yeah, one, someone that. will do it and they'll go, oh yeah, I just copied and pasted it. Yeah, but you're not really... <laughs> being a journalist and doing investigating and actually doing what you're meant to be doing yeah. one and um what was the other thing i was going to say oh yeah and a lot of these news organizations are you know they just, just believe what they read and they don't want to do their own investigating and it's it's uh, it's finding that balance between the you know what um the the freedom of speech thing the freedom of the press and the responsibility of the press that yeah. there is a there is a big responsibility that goes with what's being said yeah uh, and and thus you know when it goes wrong then you you do get up with debates of fake news and all that kind of thing that, that that's been raging for the past four years um and and there shouldn't be a reason for that you know there should be no fake news there should only be genuine news but mm. it's it's like it's become a rumor mill it's become um gossip and things like that are just one wantonly kind of put out there without any kind of backup or basis in, in the truth which is just unfortunate isn't it? sad yeah i, I once it's I, up there you can't take it down you can't get problem. rid of it the internet it's not like the daily paper that yeah. you know the newspaper that was like you know fish uh, and chips the next day yeah we'd say in the uk there's a saying that you know today's <laughs> news is tomorrow's um, fish and chips wrapper um but uh you know, it's not there nowadays. It's once it's online, it's like it's locked into. To, but hopefully, to people will be able to think for themselves and see what's out there and say, "Yeah, I don't quite believe this. There's something in there that's not quite true or believable." And yeah. I just want to watch films because I want to watch the films and hopefully see these people for who they are and see their work yeah. and don't, yeah, don't judge. Yeah, I uh, 
I, I just remembered that when the very first story um, in the whole, I don't even know how to describe it, situation came out, uh, the Hollywood Reporter wrote it. I was the executive editor at The Wrap at the time. And we were just like, I don't understand what this story is. And we just didn't do it. We just didn't touch it because we're just like, what is this? And I talked to other editors who were like, what is this? I don't understand this. Let's not like repeat this thing that we don't understand, which I think is fundamental. If you don't understand it, maybe you don't need it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I see people just hedging with stuff like the cut and paste that you talked about and also just saying like, you know, notorious or scandal or something. And Oh, they love that word. Yeah. Yeah. Big fancy words to attention grabbing words, things like that. I mean, but it, as you say, like a lot of it true. is nonsensical, and you kind of yeah. read some of them, and you go, "What? What are you? What are you even saying here? Like, you're yeah, not saying anything. Makes sense. And you're not even asking questions. You're just making random statements that make no sense." Well, yeah, I feel like you have to be able to. If you're going to accuse somebody of doing something scandalous, you have to be able to explain who did what to who, and, and prove it. And prove it. Yeah, or yeah, at least. <laughs> what's the accusation and what's the response to the accusation and it just got very strange and murky and i encourage people to read up for themselves yeah. um, what was the biggest what was the biggest obstacle i know we're a little low on time so what was the biggest obstacle to making this film and how did you overcome it uh the biggest obstacle i mean i suppose at the end of the day it's, all, it's the same obstacle that most filmmakers make have which is finding the money um, no, I don't think that is because it happened relatively quickly. I don't think that was the biggest option. Well, no, because it went through several things because we, we we went through like three sets of producers because yeah, true. It kind of it was almost going to go, and then the money fell through, and then somebody else came forward, and then they didn't have the money. And then it happens right away. Finally, like, oh somebody stepped forward, and they got the money, and it was like, and that was. But still, in terms of movie timescales, we wrote it one year and we filmed it the next year, which, yeah. in my experience, that's actually a really fast turnaround no matter how difficult it was to get there. I can't so, think of actually the most challenging thing for this movie. Just trying to do something as ambitious as it was on the budget. Yeah, maybe more you know, Of that scale on the budget that we had and in the time that we had. We shot um, it in 28 days. So or 27. 27 days, uh, which, you know, again, on some films, that's like, okay, some people might say that's a, that's a good amount of time. But we had horses and we had fires and we had stunts and we had this that, and yeah. fight sequences. Um, you know, they weren't long days. Um, we didn't do any overtime, I don't think. I think we just like literally just couldn't <laughs> nine hour days or whatever it was. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was tight. It was tough. Hey, all you witches and warlocks! Huge thank you to our guest Charlotte Kirk and Neil Marshall talking about their new film, The Reckoning, out this Friday on VOD. I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker. I'd love it if you subscribed to this podcast or shared it with a friend, or you could even write us a nice review. That would make us super happy. We'd also love to see you anytime at moviemaker.com, where this week, Caleb Hammond, our managing editor, has been absolutely killing it on posts about the Sundance Film Festival. So much information. I've learned so much about so many excellent films. Thank you for listening. Hope to see you back here soon.